0: Okay, today we're going to try something new. I'm going to be doing what I'm calling quick chat episodes. And the point is, I want to release a lot more episodes of the Indie Hackers podcast, but that's hard to do if I'm spending hours preparing for every episode and if the episodes last one or two hours long. So with these new quick chat episodes, what I'm going to do is basically keep them really short and invite different indie hackers who are working on cool stuff, regardless of what level they're at, just to, to talk about what they're up to. You. So, my first guest is Pat Walls. Pat, how's it going? Good. How are you? Doing excellent. You posted a milestone to ND Hackers last week, I believe, and it was called 10 Paying Customers. And you got your first 10 paying customers for a new app you're working on called Pigeon. Why don't you tell us about that?
1: Yeah. So, uh, Pigeon is a Chrome extension that is built on top of Gmail. That was, um, I run my kind of main gig is a website called starterstory.com, which is uh, really similar to indie hackers where it just interviews entrepreneurs. And a lot of the work was like tons and tons of emails. (laughs) And I'm a software engineer and, you know, dealing with like tons of emails gets, uh, it's not really my favorite thing to do. So I wanted a way to automate more stuff inside Gmail, such as automating follow-ups, setting deadlines and just tons of stuff to make my email work faster and spend less time on it. So I started that. I had the idea to build it late last year and I kept kind of thinking about how I wanted to build it, but I didn't actually uh, write any code or anything for three or four months. And then about two or three months ago, I finally started writing code and talking to people. And then I released it about a month and a half ago and then got to about 10 paying customers, which is why I posted that. Indie Hackers milestone, and I actually posted that because I had reached ten, but I got most of the customers through pre-launch. But now that I'm af- now that I've launched it, I'm been working a lot on like making the features better and improving the product. But now I got to figure out how to grow the product. So the fun part. that post was kind of like and the hard part, yeah. <laughs> that post was kind of like me. I need to put myself out there more, and I need to like share my progress, the story because I I don't know what it is, but I just don't feel like i don't know it's hard it's compared to my last project it's been harder for me to talk about my progress maybe because i've had like a little bit of success with my last project and like starting with a new project that could completely fail is like hard for me to put myself out there i don't know if that makes sense
0: it makes a lot of sense and it's kind of a recurring theme on the podcast how beneficial it is to put yourself out there And it's really easy, especially as a developer, to just kind of want to lock yourself away and just work on the product and have the product kind of speak for itself so you don't have to talk to anybody. But it's way better if you actually just like blog about your progress and tweet about it and tell people what you're working on, even if it's super small. That's something I find hard to do, to be honest. I mean, this podcast is probably the most that I talk about indie hackers anywhere, and I barely talk about indie hackers on the podcast itself. So kudos to you for posting that milestone.
1: Well, I love when you talk about indie hackers on the podcast. And I really did like... Um, I don't know if you've taken it down off the site, but uh, like how you started Indie Hackers was obviously for me that was really inspirational because my website is really similar and inspired from that. But um, I don't know what ended up happening to that.
0: Yeah, if you go to uh, so there's actually a product page on Indie Hackers for Indie Hackers itself, and it's it's the same timeline that used to be the old blog. So you could scroll all the way back to 2016, like. Almost got three years ago, July 2016, and see like the very first steps, like launched Indie Hackers, got my first thousand mailing list subscribers. Like every month I would post a couple milestones. So it's all still there. And I still add to it every now and then, but not as much as I used to. Nice. We started talking about Pigeon, but you actually started Starter Story, as you alluded to. Let's talk about that because that's kind of like your first Indie hacker business that I'm aware of. What's the story behind Starter Story?
1: Well, I don't want to go too long, but. Basically, I was living in San Francisco, uh, and this was, I think, in early late 2016. And I I was a software engineer, and I really wanted to start a business, get into YC, and this is before Indie Hackers existed, which Indie Hackers is a really typical reason why I started that website. But me and a couple of friends tried to start a business uh, that would get into YC. Um, you know, followed all their blogs, all that stuff, and like. It just completely failed, we worked on it for like four months just to get to MVP. Didn't get any customers. Got like a couple of customers. They never ended up using the product. We got like a YC interview. Completely failed. The whole thing bombed.
0: What was the product?
1: It was a um, basically like an invoicing software for small businesses. So if you're like a if you were a small to medium sized e commerce business, you could um, send order forms to like hundred or two hundred different retail stores and they could buy your product through like little mini forms, kind of like a little type form almost.
0: Ah, got it. So did you have to pitch YC on how your invoicing software was going to be a billion dollar company and change the whole world? (laughs)
1: Yeah. Well, we had gotten like a couple customers just to use it for, you know, just basic invoicing order forms. And they're like, yeah, this sounds awesome. We really need something like this. But then they never ended up really using it. And YC, like when we went to YC, we were like, oh, this is going to be the Google Forms for business or something like that. I actually didn't know about Typeform back then. So that was kind of our pitch. But then YC was like, they really dug, like, it was only a 10 minute video interview. So it wasn't like the, the true interview when you go to YC. But they're really smart. They, were like, they basically dug right down to the problem. They're like, we've seen this kind of business before. Can you tell us about like, the actual usage? Like, how much are your customers using the product? And that was our weakness, is that no one was actually using the product.
0: Yeah, it's just a small problem there. No one's, no one's actually using this.
1: Yeah, it's a, it was a nice-to-solve problem, and we couldn't get anyone to like truly adopt the platform. They're like, yeah, we really want to do it, but they never put aside the time to actually switch over. And it's like critical business processes, selling your product. So like, yeah. it was really hard to get people onboarded.
0: So how did you decide to start Starter Story, which actually worked much better?
1: Well, after I started that business and it failed, I definitely got the bug, like the startup bug. I just found Indie Hackers too at that point, so I was just kind of reading a lot of Indie Hackers interviews, and then I came across this Reddit post that was about this guy who started a content marketing site. And I was a—I had just moved to New York at the time. I was still a software engineer. I just got a new job, but I was just like still thinking, how can I start a business? Because I had that bug. But also, the problem with the business before that failed YC was that. I had to jump out of work like on lunch break to do meetings cuz I had like a full-time job at the time to do meetings and demos and fix bugs and try to sell the product. Cause we were selling the product to people that were, you know, also working 9 to 5s. That was really hard. That was probably the hardest part about that business. Even if it was successful that would have still have been really hard. So I wanted something that I could work on with my full-time job like on nights and weekends and still be able to like because I was willing to put in the work, I just wanted it to be a little bit less stressful at my day job. If that makes sense.
0: And starter story is kind of like Indie Hackers. You interview the founders of e-commerce businesses, and you ask them how they got started and came up with their idea, how they put up a website, yep. how they've grown since then and found customers, and how much money they're making. Yep. And with Indie Hackers, I used to charge for ads, but I don't charge for that anymore. What's your business model for Start Story?
1: Um, so yeah, it's super similar to Indie Hackers. I actually started it just because I wanted to just interview. It wasn't actually the niche of e-commerce when I first started. I just started interviewing friends that I knew were entrepreneurs, some other people I found online. But then when I, after I had like 10 interviews or 20 interviews, I was like, okay, I have a bunch of e-commerce. I want to like differentiate from indie hackers and other uh, websites and be like an e-commerce or maybe more of the non-technical founder side of things. And then I started monetizing through, uh, well, at first it was, like display ads and, and newsletter advertisements. So uh, people would just, I, I didn't monetize it for like four months. So I did the product hunt launch, I did all that stuff. And then people slowly started reaching out to me. And I was just, my mentality was like, just always focused on growing the business and monetize. I wasn't really thinking so much about monetization. So when people would uh, ask me if I wanted to monetize or if they wanted to sponsor, I would just be like, all right, sure. Yeah. You could sponsor the uh, newsletter for, and I would just name a price and then they'd just be like, yes. And then I'd have another person reach out and be like, Oh, well, I have this newsletter is booked up, but I now have the front page sponsor, I have front page ad spot opened up. And I'd be like, Oh, that's four hundred bucks. And then like I kind of like cobbled together all these different sponsors. And then I had one company reach out, which is still my main sponsor today, uh, Klaviyo, which is like an email marketing, it's like MailChimp for e-commerce. They reached out to me and they had expressed interest in sponsoring the newsletter which wasn't sponsored at the time for like a long period of time they want to sponsor for a whole year so i was like oh that sounds great well so yeah they sponsored the newsletter and then um after some of the deals ended for the website i went back to them i was like hey i want to get some more sponsors on board are you okay with it and i want them to also sponsor the newsletter so there'll be different there'll be like multiple companies sponsoring starter story and that's a longer story, but it was still really hard. And I know you experienced this on Indie Hackers, but it's like really hard to find, find and keep advertisers, and you know keep them on board for long term. Because yeah, it's just hard.
0: Yeah, it's not easy getting advertisers. It's kind of a grind. It never really ends. You know, you get some, and you've got to find the next ones because it's not mm. necessarily a recurring business model. People kind of churn. Uh, but on the flip side, it's. Easier to get your first advertisers than it is to get your first SaaS customers. I would say, like you said, you had people reaching out to you. They're like, "Oh, hey, Pat, can I sponsor your mailing list?" I had the same thing with Indie Hackers, and to just have somebody reach out and want to write you a five hundred dollar check is pretty nice.
1: Yeah, well, and that's what I tell people all the time because there's a lot of people starting kind of blogs and content businesses, or just you know it's the kind of stuff you see on Product Hunt or Indie Hack or uh, Hacker News, where it's like similar stuff to, you know, when indie Hacker started or starter story started where it's just like, kind of like put together data and like, you could just, if someone reaches out to you and says, Hey, I want to sponsor, just send them like a hundred dollar invoice, something like that. They'll probably say yes. And just that motivation of getting uh, your website sponsored for any kind of money is like, that's what kept me going for starter story. And it call kind, of kind of just like snowballed into what it is. So like, you don't need to be looking for some massive thing, just kind of like, just experiment at first and there's really nothing that could go wrong.
0: So I know you eventually got to the point where you were ramen profitable with Starter Story and you were like, all right, I'm done. I'm done working full time and you quit your job and went to yeah. become an indie hacker full time. What was it like making that decision?
1: So, I mean, I the thing for me is that I had always had a job my whole like life after. And even when I was in college, I had like jobs too. So I'd never not had a job and it's really hard. I never, I never know what it's like to not have a job. So that was like a big uh, decision for me. And especially because I probably could have kept working on starter story for maybe another six months to a year to get it to a higher revenue before I quit. But I was just so ready to, to move on from that. But the reason why the reason why I quit was because of this uh, this twenty four hour startup thing, which probably don't need to go into. It's a long story. I launched a startup. I like uh, claimed on Twitter that I was going to launch a startup in twenty four hours, which not a startup, but I was just going to build a product and launch it on product from like first commit to launching on product time in a twenty four hour span and stream the whole thing on Twitch. And I did that, and like it kind of like blew up on Twitter a little bit. After that, like. Starter story was doing well, and that that was like a really awesome experience. And then I had this like one on one with my manager like two days later. It probably wasn't the right decision at the time, but I just had so much like confidence that I could make it work with no full time job and like I had some runway and some cash. I was like, I think that's the moment. And so I just quit my job right there. And then yeah,
0: <laughs> that's so <Not> funny. <laughs> you had so much going on on the side that was so exciting. That it just kind of added up to enough activation energy for you just to spur the moment, say "boom, I'm done."
1: Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. But I don't know; it just <laughs> felt <laughs> it just felt it's really a hard ex- story to explain or justify or anything like that. But I think it was a long time coming. So I don't know.
0: You sent me a message earlier this year. Do you remember on Twitter you're talking about uh, starter story being like very similar to indie hackers? And you're like, hey man, I've been wanting to message you about this for a long time. I've always felt sort of guilty that Starter Story is pretty similar to any hacker's, but you know, it's never my intention to like clone you or anything. And it's funny that you sent me that message, because I have so many thoughts about competition and business and websites being similar to each other. Mostly that I have a very don't-hate-the-player-hate-the-game mindset, where I think it's important no matter what you do to really understand the rules of what you're going into. And with business, I think one of the big rules is that like, Ideas are are open to everybody. Like you don't have a monopoly on your idea just because you came up with something. There are people interviewing entrepreneurs and founders well before Indie Hackers existed, and there are a lot of websites that were sort of inspired by Indie Hackers, including Starter Story. After I launched Indie Hackers, and Starter Story is really the only one that I feel like has lasted. All the other ones, I don't know what happened to them. They're they're gone.
1: Well, just to go back on your point before that, I think that's an interesting topic as well because, like, I think a lot of I told uh, someone else that who was starting a similar site to starter story and indie hackers. And I told him like to hopefully not feel that way. Cause I still feel that way sometimes like, because every, I think everyone wants to have their own ideas and like it does, I don't know. It does affect my like self-conscious a little bit. For example, I'll see something on indie hackers and I'll be like, Oh, well that's an awesome feature. And like, we have a very similar business
0: models. So I'm just going to copy it.
1: But then I like, Sometimes don't feel bad about that, but then sometimes I'm like, oh man, I'm just a copycat. Do you ever, you ever feel like that?
0: Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, there are things that I probably should have copied from other websites, foreignity hackers, that I haven't yeah. to avoid that feeling. There are things that I've just shamelessly copied. And uh, you know what, sometimes I yeah. feel bad, sometimes I don't. Yeah. But I really think you shouldn't feel that bad. I mean, obviously, if you're like plagiarizing, that's one thing. But if you're just like inspired by something else... That's kind of the engine that drives human progress. Being inspired by other people and building on top of it, and no one's ever, no one's ever like, oh man, I opened up an Italian restaurant, and then somebody else opened up another Italian restaurant. How dare they? But for some reason, in online businesses, we sort of expect to have to be completely creative and original in every way, and it's like it's not realistic. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's a growth starter story. I mean, my my goal with it has always been to put out more content. I really, and that's my new product that I built, Pigeon is helping me and helping others produce more content in less time. And I've always been fascinated by the idea of like how much um, I can automate things and build process around publishing content and growing the website. So um, I've always focused on, yeah, first automation, like automating all the mundane tasks as possible that I could do that I can publish more interviews with entrepreneurs and then also just focus on um, more content. So I when I started the website I was publishing like 3 interviews per week and then when I started this year I had a goal to release daily interviews and I've done that since the beginning of the year and then now I'm working towards getting to 2 interviews per day.
0: That is a ton of interviews. Yeah. <laughs> like 3 a week with Andy Hackers. Yeah, I
1: know. I know. I, I watch I watch your guys' output sometimes cuz I'm curious how what's the future for indie hackers obviously the it's growing like crazy and the forum's amazing and that's something that i'll look to someday hopefully but my whole thing has just been i used to like focus a lot on you know sharing on other platforms like hacker news and reddit and all that stuff but seo is starting to pick up so i just been like all right well i'm just going to keep producing more content that's what's worked for me and again good content as well obviously but
0: yeah it's tough doing interviews as, as a content format and trying to grow through SEO. I found because usually interviews are around a particular subject, right? It's this person, it's this company, and that's the title of your interview, and that's the entire subject matter. Whereas people searching Google are very rarely searching for one particular company or one particular person. Um, yeah. They're usually searching for like a topic. You know, they want to know about more about e-commerce or more about SEO or more about uh, whatever it is. So, how do you get SEO working with an interview site like Starter Story?
1: Um, it's just somehow kind of started to work. Like I will try to put it. And that's the kind of similar concern that I had at first because I didn't have any SEO traffic, but then it just started picking up. Like I get, I don't get like a ton, but I probably have, I'm getting close to 1500 uh, Google hits per day. And it's mostly just coming from long tail keywords. So I'll try to put uh, the title of my interview around some sort of keyword that I could target or long tail keyword that I could target. But there's no like one keyword that I'm like dominating or something like that. My goal has just been to put out lots and lots and lots of content and hope that I catch some of the long tail keywords. I don't know. what has the indie hackers experience been like for SEO?
0: I don't even know how much traffic we get from SEO, but I know that it's, it's never been great. We've always kind of thought about, okay, well how do we get people writing things that are more topic based? Right, less about uh, just their story, but more about things that other people want to solve. So we can get you know better SEO traffic, and most of our SEO traffic doesn't go to the interviews. It goes to the articles that people can submit to Indie Hackers, and also the forum posts because people make forum posts about like how do I find my first customers, right? How do you get into Y Combinator? All sorts of stuff that is more aligned with SEO, but it's still not. It's not even like our top five growth channels for Indie Hackers. I don't think. Hopefully that'll change in the next year. Well, I think it will. I think it will definitely pick up. Yeah, it's picking up. Like the curve goes up. Every month it's a little bit higher than it was the previous month. But I think to really do it well, like you have to actually be deliberate about targeting certain keywords and certain topics that get a lot of traffic and, and actually put real effort into it. And for us it's always been sort of an afterthought. Yeah. And
1: that's is that kind of why you guys have been so focused? I am not why, but um, you know, the user generated content pieces have been a big push for you.
0: Yeah, you were talking about this earlier when you were saying you wanted to automate things with Starter Story. And I think if you are running a content site and you're a blogger, you're writing everything, you kind of just resign to how much work it takes. But if you are doing an interview site like you and me, you realize very quickly that you're not doing most of the work, you're just asking the questions. And you start to think about, well, how do I make myself more efficient? How do I streamline this process so that I can get more content out faster? And I think the process we have at Indie Hackers is pretty streamlined. We spend a lot of time thinking about it. But then you start thinking about, you know, what's the light at the end of the tunnel? What's the ultimate version of this? And for us, that's completely user generated content. We're not doing anything. People are making posts on the forums and asking each other questions, and we're not, you know, prompting them or doing anything. It just happens by itself. So that's like the ultimate goal. And we've tried some stuff that didn't work. We tried being kind of like medium where we just allow people to write articles, no questions asked on any hackers, and that didn't work out. It was just why is that? It wasn't it's fair. People write spam. People write a lot of low-quality articles. You know, you suddenly you have thousands of articles on your website. You don't have time to read them. You don't know which ones are good, which ones aren't. It's hard to figure out which ones to put on the front page. Uh, just not an easy problem to solve with a small team of only like two people. You know what I want to talk about? I want to talk about your uh, your pension for for doing new things because you've got Star story. I think you're making over four grand a month. Is that right? Yep. But now you have Pigeon Two. And I think you've got ten paying customers paying you about thirty bucks a month, so you're making three hundred bucks a month from Pigeon, which is great. But it probably would have been easier to add three hundred dollars a month to Starter Stories revenue than to start a whole new thing from scratch. So why even why even do this? Why work on more than one thing instead of just focusing on your number one thing?
1: That's a great question. I mean, it's especially important something that I thought about a lot because of the twenty four hour startup that I did last year because I launched multiple, I did the first startup in 24 hours because I was just curious to try it. I had an idea and that since that kind of took off, I was like, all right, well, I'm going to launch another one, you know, two weeks later and just keep trying this thing again. And I launched another one three weeks later. And then I created the 24 hour startup challenge because there's so much hype around the idea of live streaming and, um, you know, products, especially last year. I was like, I'm just going to try to capitalize on this idea and, and see what happens. And I think that's also like gets the gets the maker community kind of the product hunt area of the internet really excited and it's really fun but i kind of had like a bit of a revelation like not revelation but after i had done the 24 hour startup challenge and i had like starter story i didn't have pigeon yet but i had starter story and i had the startup that I launched 24 hours. And then I had um, the 24 hour startup challenge, which was turning into like another website. And then I had another website and I had like five different websites and I had already quit my job by that time. And I was just kind of realizing like, this isn't really what I want to do. And like, I'm never going to be really able to move the needle on anything if I have so many different projects. So I basically killed all those projects. I sold the 24 hour startup one, and then basically stopped working on the Twenty Four Startup Challenge uh, offshoot and then sold and killed all the other projects. And then I was just Starter Story and I was just focusing on that. My mindset kind of changed on the whole uh, launching quickly and the maker movement and all that. And I decided that I'm only going to focus on one or two projects. The reason why I started... Pigeon, the new one, is that um, I wanted to build a tool that was going to help me grow Starter Story and vice versa, so they go hand-in-hand and also help other people launch similar businesses as Starter Story. But it's still a lot to manage two different projects, but I don't know if that answers your question at all.
0: (laughs) Yeah, now I get to use everybody's least favorite business term, Synergy. You've got these two different products, and Pigeon actually helps you run and grow Starter Story. So how does that work exactly?
1: So, I mean, the automation piece is, is really big because um, it's basically automating a lot of the process for doing interviews because it's all inside Gmail. So I'm able to do, uh, like, if someone agrees to do an interview, I can set a deadline and I can set these kind of, like, automated follow-up sequences that will automatically follow up with them with the, with the deadline and basically just get rid of most of the email work that I have to do for chasing down interviews and, and publishing content And also keeping like, it's basically like a, also like a mini CRM inside your Gmail. So you can keep a track of the status of uh, all of your interview or content stages. So it's in progress, if it's published in draft state or whatever. So that's been cool. And then I've been working with a couple other, a a bunch of other, my customers are running similar type of websites or blogs um, and they're doing very similar things as that.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at your website right now, trypigeon.co, and it says, Gmail meets spreadsheet. Pigeon is a powerful CRM and automation suite for Gmail. And you've got your spreadsheet in there, living inside Gmail, you just sort of track the people that you're working with and move them along this pipeline. It's funny because I do something similar for hackers. I've got sort of my own process. What do you use? Uh, Yeah, I I just have my own internal process, kind of. So we use Airtable, we've used Google Spreadsheets in the past, I've got some stuff set up on Zapier too. Just to sort of automate the process and not have to build a lot of it out myself, because that would take forever. But this whole topic reminds me of another topic that comes up on the podcast pretty often, which is that just in the course of running your business, you're going um, to encounter all these different problems. And some of them will have solutions, but a lot of them won't. And you'll look for a tool out there, and it doesn't exist. And if there was, you would pay for it, but there just isn't anything. And so you've got to hack it together yourself. Or if you're a developer, you're going to feel tempted to just build it yourself. And it's probably a mistake, but in your case, it's kind of cool because you built Pigeon to help you run Starter Story, and then you didn't just keep it to yourself. You actually released it as its own standalone product, and now Pigeon is out there making money. I've had like a similar temptation with Indie Hackers. In fact, someone emailed me last week and was like, "Hey, I will pay you a lot of money to build the Indie Hackers community forum software for my website." And I just had to be like, "No, I don't have to. I obviously don't have time to do that. It's impossible." So, uh, I think it's a pretty common thing for a lot of founders to deal with.
1: Yeah, I think that you have to. Kill that temptation. I think I just saw Indie Hackers forum post about someone asking how do I uh, stop from like seizing that temptation all the time. And I think that a good way to do it is just to actually fall into the temptation and fail through that process of like actually like what I what happened to me last year of launching too many different things and then ex- experiencing how hard it is to actually grow anything that, that unless yeah. you like a laser focus on it. I'm sure you have run into that before, so.
0: Yeah, you got to learn from the school of hard knocks sometimes. But the flip side to all of this is something that I say pretty often, which is that if you're someone who has trouble coming up with ideas in the first place, that one thing you can do that works really well is just give yourself permission to start something really small and crappy and like not that good. And in the course of trying to run that business, you will suddenly find yourself coming up with lots of ideas. Because there's all these challenges you need to solve that there are no tools to solve, and other people need those tools too, so you could just pivot and go build those. But yeah, if you're already building something that's working pretty well, it's probably really distracting to start a second thing and really hard as well. What's your plan from here on out? What are you going to do with Pigeon?
1: So the plan is to figure out how to grow it. And that's, well, there's this really unfortunate thing called the Gmail API security audit. So now Gmail is cracking. Yeah, they're cracking down on their... um, They don't want to... I think the the Cambridge Analytica Facebook scandal has kind of spooked them a little bit. So now you have to pay... Uh, at least $15,000 to get your uh, API, Gmail API code audited by an independent security firm uh, every year. So um, that's something that I have to, I'm going to go through with it. I'm going to do it because I have confidence in the product and in the market. So I'm going to go through this. So that's the big next step. Then I have to figure out how to grow it. So I would like to get your advice on how to grow a product like that.
0: Oh man, you know what I think is like the secret uh the secret growth weapon for startups? And it's nothing new, it's not that secret. Everybody says do things that don't scale. I think it's like a specific instance of it. But I keep seeing it pop up over and over again. And it's just direct sales, man. If, especially if you have a high enough price point, and I think you said you're charging like thirty bucks a month. Like if I were you, I would probably raise my prices. I would find customers for whom it's actually worth the higher price, like at least a hundred bucks a month or something like that. And then just do a lot of direct sales, a lot of outreach, a lot of just talking to people. I talked to Sahil a few episodes, the founder of Gumroad, yeah. a few episodes ago. And they were doing direct sales for Gumroad for like the first four or five years. It wasn't just like, oh, this is how we get off the ground. It was like, this is how our company grows. We just sell the product one-on-one to people. Nathan Barry famously did the same for ConvertKit. Like, it wasn't really working, he was considering shutting it down, he couldn't get past... You know, five or ten thousand dollars a month in revenue, and then he just started doing a ton of direct sales, just calling bloggers, emailing them, and like sort of broke through the ceiling. So that's what I would try if I were you, and I wouldn't stop doing that until it like had been a few months and it definitely wasn't working. But even if it doesn't, if you're doing direct sales, you're always talking to people, which means they're actually telling you whether they're not signing up. Unlike marketing, where people just go to your website and leave. So you'll probably have a lot of good ideas just by talking to people. That would be that would be my my ugly sort of behind the scenes strategy for trying to grow something like Pigeon? Well,
1: that's great advice because that's really what worked for a starter story. And I know we're for Indie hackers is like reaching out to when you got the, yeah, uh, the outreach. And that's how I got the first 10 customers for Pigeon, to be honest. And now, like since I launched it, I feel like, and I'm really glad you said that because I feel like, Oh, I have to do content marketing and I have to like do it legit. I'm like doing air quotes right now, but cause I, I tried doing some outreach, I emailed like a hundred businesses like recently and I felt really crappy about the process cause it felt spammy and all this stuff. But I realized now that I probably just gave up on that too quickly. And like, that's, I feel personally like that's my bread and butter. Like I'm pretty good at doing direct outreach from a lot of the starter story experience that I have and for getting the 10 customers. So I'm glad you said that because um, I think it's super true and like, that's the advice that I usually tell people too when they ask me, and I'm not even going to follow. I wasn't even going to follow it for a second. So.
0: <laughs> I do the same thing. You know, I'm trying to grow different parts of Indie Hackers. I'm trying to grow this new milestones feature, and I realized the other day it's like, you know, I should just be doing direct outreach. I know a lot of people who would really benefit from using this feature, who would be perfect for it. Why don't I just message them one on one? And I reached out to a few people yesterday, I reached out to Nathan Berry, and he already posted a milestone about ConvertKit, his nice. company hitting like $17 million a year in revenue or something crazy. So yeah. uh, it's direct stuff, it works. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's one of those things that as a founder, like you just kind of need to hear other people say they're doing it, because number one, it's a slog, it's not that pleasant to do. So when you're doing it by yourself, you kind of feel like it's wrong. And number two, no one else ever talks about it. They're just talking about how they've found some sort of repeatable, scalable distribution strategy, you know, or how they got to number one on Product Hunt after like a week. And you're like, well, that's what I've got to figure out. But the reality is like everyone's doing direct sales too and just not talking about it, but it works.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's what I think about when I worked in Silicon Valley too is how big our sales teams were and how they didn't have any good content marketing. They didn't have anything, but they were, you know,
0: a billion dollar company and they're just all sales. No one talks about it. It's so weird. Everyone only talks about SEO and like social media marketing and yeah. like launching on product hunt. No one talks about like, hey, we pay people to just make phone calls and send <laughs> emails, and that's how we grow. But anyway, this is supposed to be a quick chat episode. We're yeah. like thirty minutes now. I think we did it. I would love to have you back on at some point to talk about. God, there's so much we could talk about. We could talk about all the similarities between like growing indie hackers and starter story because I know a oh. lot of other people want to start content websites. I think that'd be a really interesting discussion.
1: Yeah. And I just want to say that. You know, I, ho- I hope people thank you more for launching indie hackers and all that has done for me and like the community and everything. like I don't think you know how big of an impact it has on people. so thank you for that.
0: Thanks, Pat. People are nice actually. I get a lot of nice messages on the internet. Anyway, I've got one more question that I'll let you get out of here. You have been doing this indie hacker thing for quite a while now. You are completely financed by your own projects. Star Story makes enough money for you to be full-time on it. What's your advice to somebody new, an aspiring indie hacker who's just considering getting started?
1: Uh, no, I've never really thought about that, but someone had just reached out to me the other day. They were saying that I do a good job of documenting my journey, and they were like self-conscious about documenting their journey and having no one read the blog or read whatever their documentation is on how they started, but my advice is start something, start something stupid. Like I think that starter story is still like, it's not like a breakout success or anything like that. It's not a brilliant idea or anything like that, but it was just something to start. And I just like wrote about my starting it and I shared that with people. And that's like a big part of my story and my journey is that I kind of documented everything. And I have people reach out to me almost every day that I can point them to these old blog posts that I did. So my advice would be start and just start writing and start sharing that because when you share those blog posts or videos or however you document it. um, It's like motivation and um, it keeps you, it really does keep you going. And it um, like, like I said, I'm trying to put the word out on my new product pigeon because if I don't do that, then it'll probably fail if I don't talk about it and and spread the word. So my advice is just start and, and just start like blogging and documenting.
0: Good advice really pays dividends to just put your story out there and let people get to know who you are. Where can we go to find out more about you, Pat, and what you're working on?
1: Um, so you can go to trypigeon.co, or you can uh, go to my Twitter, to search uh, Pat Wall's Twitter, and then in my bio it has Starter Story and uh, Pigeon is linked in there.
0: Cool. Thanks so much for coming on for the first ND Hackers Quick Chat, Pat. Thanks for having me. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're interested in coming on the show yourself to have a quick chat with me, go to indiehackers.com slash milestones and post a milestone. It can be anything related to a product you're working on. So people have posted about launching and finding their first customers. They posted about growing their mailing list and hitting a thousand Twitter followers. They've posted about getting to a hundred or a thousand or a hundred thousand dollars a month in revenue. Pretty much the sky's the limit. Whatever you're proud of, come celebrate it on ndhackers.com and other Andy Hackers will help you celebrate. We love encouraging each other and supporting each other when we hit these milestones. And what I'll do is at the end of every week, I will look at the top milestones posted and reach out to a few people to invite them to come on the podcast for a quick chat. So once again, that's ndhackers.com slash milestones. I'm looking forward to seeing what you post. If you enjoyed listening to this conversation and you want a really easy way to support the podcast, why don't you head over to iTunes and leave us a quick rating or even a review? If you're looking for an easy way to get there, just go to ndhackers.com review, and that should open up iTunes on your computer. I read pretty much all the reviews that you guys leave over there, and it really helps other people to discover the show, so your support is very much appreciated. In addition, if you are running your own internet business, or if that's something you hope to do someday, you should join me and a whole bunch of other founders on the ndhackers.com website. It's a great place to get feedback on pretty much any problem or question that you might have while running your business. If you listen to the show, you know that I am a huge proponent of getting help from other founders rather than trying to build your business all by yourself so you'll see me on the forum for sure as well as more than a handful of some of the guests that i've had on the podcast if you're looking for inspiration we've also got a huge directory full of hundreds of products built by other indie hackers every one of which includes revenue numbers and some of the -the behind-the-scenes strategies for how they grew their products from nothing as always thanks so much for listening and i'll see you next time